Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey guys, welcome back to Heart of Dating. I'm your girl, Kate Warman, and you are in for a treat because we are talking all about the truth about engagement today, okay? Yeah, so JJ and I have been engaged for a few months now. We get married at the end of August, and we have learned so much in this season. And so today we want to tell you the real true deal about what it looks like to prepare for engagement and then what it looks like to actually be engaged. Don't get me wrong. We have a lot of fun and I love my man and I really do enjoy parts of engagement. But when you go on social media and you see all the pretty photos and you see the perfectly curated videos and all the things just like we have, sometimes it can feel like, oh my gosh, they're so in love and everything's so perfect and they have what I want and that's all you focus on. And I just want to tell you there's a lot of good, okay? But I really also want to let you into the real deal because if you do get engaged, I don't want you to get into the season and be like, oh my gosh, what in the world? Why has nobody told me how difficult this can be merging lives with somebody totally different? And so we tell you what we did to prepare for engagement. And then we also tell you the real deal. And we have a little bit of two different perspectives. So it's super fun and interesting. Also, if you're new around here, I'm so glad you're tuning in. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. We want to get you all connected into the HOD fam because that's right. We're a family over here. So you can first and foremost, check out our private Facebook community. We have almost 10,000 people now in that group doing life together. You can go to facebook.com forward slash heart of dating, and then you can join our private group. But make sure to answer every question or you will automatically be declined, okay? So you gotta answer every single question. We actually have couples that are meeting in our group and now we have some that are even getting married, okay? This is just people organically through conversation. Someone stands out of the crowd and they're like, I'm gonna message that person. It's so exciting to see all of these connections happening. And you also see so many people just doing life together and making their best friends. I love our Facebook community. Also make sure to check us out on Instagram at Heart of Dating on Instagram. I'm at Kateness on Instagram and now on TikTok, okay? We are just working it on TikTok, or I am at least, every day, pretty much, I'm posting up in there. I swore I would never do it, but I jumped on the bandwagon, so check out what we're doing on TikTok as well. Also, I wanna equip you with some free resources, and we do have an incredible free resource for helping you to show interest to the person that you are interested in. If you don't know how to drop the hanky, if you don't know what to say, what to do, where to put your hands, all the things, get this free guide. It's gonna help you out. It's gonna pump you up and give you the confidence you need to slide into the DMs or finally make the move in person. This guide is for men and women, okay? And we recently updated it to even have more tips, which we're super pumped about. So you can go to heartofdating.com forward slash resource and you can get that free guide, which is how to show interest. I think it's at the bottom of the page. All right, guys, without further ado, let's get into this episode today, all about the truth about engagement. 
Hey guys, what's up? It's Kate and JJ. <laughs> wow, today is going to be a real episode because you guys have asked so many questions, truly. I, I kind of hate when people say, you guys ask so many questions or people all ask for this, but really we create the content that you guys want to hear. We don't just create content out of thin air because we want to, and it sounds fun. We literally read our DMs. We have conversations with you guys. We definitely look through all the Facebook group stuff and we are like, what's happening out there? What questions do people have and want to know? And so today we're talking about the truth about engagement, right, honey? Yes. (laughs) Yes, we are. And I just want to preface this conversation with like, start it straight off. Uh, I posted an Instagram post this spring that then people would DM to me and say, Kate, I want to hear more about this. Can you expound on what you're talking about here? I want to hear more. And so I want to read you guys what I wrote so that you know where we're the level playing field, where we're beginning. Okay. So here's what I said. Ready, honey? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You were dead staring right now. You were like, "Uh, what? I'm like, hello, you awake? (laughs) You there? (laughs) I'm here now. Okay, good. Okay, here's the post. Here's the deal. I'm over the fairy tale couples that make relationships look like a picturesque, never-ending perfect adventure. It's misleading our generation of singles. Now, don't get me wrong. I love my man. We have loads of fun. We go on the most incredible adventures. He challenges me. He makes me laugh like no other. And there's certainly so much love and romance between us. Our gorgeous photos certainly can make it look picture perfect thanks to our engagement photographer, Leanna Myra Photography, but it's not a perfect fairy tale. For my singles who desperately want a partner, hear me with this. Finding someone who can run with you in the kingdom is a spectacular and sweet gift. And it's also the most stretching and refining thing you'll probably ever endure. And let me be real, refining isn't easy. It's worth it, but it isn't easy. You see, finding a person is not about having a perfect fairy tale romance. It's not about finding someone who gets you so well that you never, ever have to explain yourself again. It's not about having a person that makes you feel so amazing all the time that all of your insecurities disappear. It's not about finding a partner who just wants all the same things that you want. In fact, often it's none of those things. It's beautiful, but it's also painfully stretching. You have to know that. I wouldn't train any of the hard conversations we've had in this season for how much we're both growing in love, but it also is hard. So while you sit and dream of your future spouse, please also realize there's so much sacrifice, refining, challenge, and growth that comes with it too. And then ask yourself, are you really ready for the challenge? (laughs) It's really good. (laughs) So that was a post that people are like, I need to know more about this. Because so often you see, I mean, it's so deceiving, right? We have all these beautiful photos, like these clips of our engagement even, we'll tell our engagement story. but then. Like it's not fully reality. Yeah, it it can be very misleading to see one picture Mm -hmm. with a lot of conflict and work and challenging times behind it. Yeah. You know? And engagement's like the hardest season, I think. Yeah, fortunately it's temporary. Yeah. But it it is a stressful season for sure. Yeah. And it is nice at the beginning of engagement because... 
the ring does bring a lot of security. Yeah. You know, now more than ever, I'm not going anywhere, but it's still not fully like we haven't made that vow and that commitment quite yet. Mm, Yeah. And so, and there's really, it's not even for me, it's not about that. It's not about like the in-between of like, uh, it's just how much there is forming and shaping and coming together and the wedding planning and the hard conversations about finances and your living styles and all of that. Mm -hmm. Because I don't feel insecure that you're not my husband at all. I just feel freaked out about what it's going to look like to have you as my husband. Yeah. I think in the beginning of engagement though, you definitely, there is added security that like in conflict, this person's not going anywhere for sure now. More well, so than ever before. Not really until you get the, the until you say I do. <laughs> okay. In I, my opinion, I thought there was a change, but I think you're right. There's just a lot of stressors, and you're kind of just trying to build a framework of how we're going to build this marriage. Yeah. You know, and that involves a lot of premarital, a lot of reading, a lot of education. I think the one thing that we'll talk about here is. The premarital that you guys will do in engagement is so, so effective. It teaches you how to communicate. It really addresses, I think the biggest thing is expectations. Yeah. Really, really got to hammer out what your expectations are. Chances are your expectations are highly influenced from what you saw growing up in your household. Yeah. And the families that you were around in your teenage and college years. Mm -hmm. So that's where your expectations are formed. And that's just kind of happenstance. Like if you were not around healthy marriages and healthy families, then your expectations going into marriage are not going to be healthy, I think. Yeah. And if you grew up in a very old fashioned complementarian, like marriage dynamic where the man works and the woman does everything and serves the man at home and you don't want that dynamic in your marriage, it's going to be weird because maybe the other person had that dynamic and that's what they know. And they think the woman does all the cooking and the cleaning and the blah, blah, blah. And the guy does anything at the, around the yard and the guy does the work and he brings in the moolah and, you know, and it's, if those, if those are your two different expectations, it's going to be really awkward. A lot of people don't talk about those things before marriage. They just get into marriage and then it's like, well, why didn't you take out the trash? Well, you could take out the trash. Why do I have to take out the trash? You know, those sorts of things. Oh yeah. And so we're going to talk about something that we both loved in premarital that really, really helps flesh out what your expectations expectations are based on what you saw growing up and then based on what you think you want from your partner. Yeah. You want to tell them about it? Yeah. So we talked last week, we did both pre-engagement counseling and premarital. Basically both are premarital, but we just happened to do one of them before we got engaged, which we recommend. We recommend before you get engaged to start asking these hard questions. I mean, getting engaged is like saying, yes, I am going to marry you. It is a short pathway to marriage, right? And so, but how do you really know if you want to marry the person without asking some of the harder questions and really getting behind the scenes? Premarital really helps you do that, but it's kind of weirdly too late once you're already engaged. Like you could always run away. Yeah. You could always break things off, but I would rather, I encourage people to start doing the work and asking the questions before engagement so that when you're engaged, you are like, I know all the things. And now I'm saying yes, confidently. Yeah. I could not agree more. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know why it's not really suggested or recommended more, but we definitely, after experiencing it, 
And personally, I really needed that pre-engagement counseling to make my final decision. Yeah, yeah. It was really, because I just don't think it's wise. Like, why would you not want to involve counsel, some really wise people who've seen a lot of marriages? Why would you not want to have them weigh in on this decision that's ultimately yours to make? Yeah. But if you trust them, like, I I just don't understand why you would not want some help in that process. Yeah. And also it'll save you because, um, if you're trying to do all that while you're doing the wedding planning, while you're having other conversations, I will say it's a lot. Now we are also doing, we did pre-engagement and we're doing premarital as well, but you don't necessarily have to, you can do one or the other. We definitely recommend something before engagement though. I'll just say this. I have a couple people in my life in my close circles and I know two divorces going on very, very recently. And I guarantee you, if they went to pre-engagement counseling and they were honest about what was going on, they would not have had the recommendation to get married. Mm. And it would have saved them decades of pain. Yeah. So that's what our goal is here. We just want you guys to make the most effective, wise decision for the next decades of your life. Yeah. And so listening to last week's episode that we did, how do you really know is going to help you? Like it'll help you figure out how you can best discern in the things you have to have in place. We want to tell you now a little more about this amazing exercise we did in pre-engagement. And then we want to tell you the real talk, like behind the scenes engagement. What does it look like for us? The good, bad, and ugly. Cause it's been really tough. <laughs> I I love you, babe. And there's been good times too. It's just been hard. It's been a hard season. <laughs> yeah. It's been a lot for sure, lot. <laughs> but we're very much looking forward to getting married. Yes. And we're going to have so back. much free time. It's crazy. But so the main thing we did in pre-engagement is something called the Simbis test. And I highly recommend finding people that are that like, I don't know if you have to be registered to like enact the Simbis test as like counsel, but you help people walk through the Simbis test. They take the the assessment and then you have um, your pre-engagement or premarital counselor or couple. In our case, we had a couple that helped us walk through the whole assessment, like in different chunks, chunks. And it was so good. Oh yeah. I can't remember. Did we explain last week what exactly it was or our favorite part? No. So we're going to do some of that right now. Let's do it. Yeah. So it tells you so many things. The first thing that it showed you is your marriage momentum. So it shows you like, how healthy your marriage may be. Like, like you have a healthy marriage momentum and even the mindset you guys both have towards marriage. For us, we had a high marriage momentum, which is very confirming. We did this before we got engaged. We were like, this is great. And we both had the same mindset when it came to marriage, which is the resolute mindset where we are like a true believer in marriage. We are not a believer in divorce and where we are like marrying for life. And even hearing that, which wasn't a major surprise, was just, it was really healthy and really great to hear. Yeah. I love the fact that going into, cause you just don't know, like yeah. you can talk about these things, but like if it was uncovered that divorce is definitely an option, like if things get really hard, I, 
you know, we won't get into that rabbit hole, but we will just say it was really reassuring that both sides were like, hey, no matter what, divorce is not an option. Like we will seek separation, counsel, redemption, just anything before we consider divorce. Yeah. We also looked through social support, which was great because then you really look at it. So it says in the assessment, you're marrying a set of circumstances as well as each other. Being aware of how your two worlds combine on a practical level is essential to make sure they don't collide on an emotional level. And it goes through friends and family. It goes in to like support of friends and family for your relationship. It then goes into your relationship, your perceived relationship with your in-laws. So like my relationship with JJ's parents and his relationship with my parents, and then your network of mutual friends that we both and that you both enjoy together, um, is really helpful because it was like, yeah, we had to have some awkward conversations in some of these buckets. Yeah. It's again, it's, (laughs) You know, you catch feelings and notes and comments on the side about things, but it's really, really helpful to just get it out there and have a a framework to identify family members, friends, and the expectations of their roles in your life. That's so big. And it's helpful because if you do this work with someone, they're like helping guide you. So it's like a safe space. So you're, I'm not like JJ, I'm afraid with my relationship with this person in your life. You know, it's like, this is a safe place that we've done the assessment. They're helping guide us, guiding us. They tell us in advance, it's totally normal to have some qualms in this area or whatever. And they're like, it's okay. Like, even if it's not like, everything's on a super high, hundred percent, 10 out of 10 great in these areas. It doesn't mean like this is doomed to fail. It's just awareness. Yeah. That by far and away was probably the, one of the most helpful things about it was just having somebody who you can trust, who's a third party to say, Hey, this is totally normal. Yeah. <laughs> this is totally. In fact, I have a situation just like this. Yes. It's totally okay. Because sometimes when you're in a silo with each other, you kind of lose sight of what actually is okay. Yeah. And you're like, this is obviously a major problem. And I will say, and babe, you let me know or stop me if you don't want me to tell more of this, but JJ and I are in a place where, you know, our parents are really important to us, but they're not, not necessarily every single one of our parents. I'll speak to mine. I love my parents, but they're not necessarily the people that are going to give me my full direction, my full, like I'm not getting my counsel from them. And so it's important for me to know that because if I didn't know that and JJ saw, Ooh, one or both of my parents is really unhealthy. That would be tough. Right? So in the situation of, Ooh, my parents may like, if my parents were really unhealthy and I didn't see that, and I constantly went to them for counsel and constantly allowed them really deeply into our relationship, that would affect JJ. And meanwhile, JJ's over here like, dude, they're not healthy. I don't want them that kind of relationship with them, you know, or we need to have better boundaries. Those are the things that really can impact your relationship if it's not discussed (laughs) early. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And so this is a really good venue. If you have felt uncomfortable about having that conversation, or talking about your future in-laws and your relationship and expectation with your in-laws moving forward. This is such a great safe venue to talk about that. Yeah, it was tough. There were some hard parts of that. We've talked a lot about that. Well, if you're listening 
and you have a complicated family, we totally get you <laughs> and we are right there with you. Good things though that we did see outside of family was that we had so much support from people of, for our relationship and we both agreed about that. And then one area we saw lacking that we want to work on is the network of mutual friends that we both enjoy. Mm -hmm. It's growing, but we need to prioritize that even more. And it's hard because a lot of our close friends at least JJ's don't currently live where we live. So it's harder to connect with all of our mutual friends together. Well, I moved to Southern California uh, from Seattle. Um, and so it was a very new place for me. I did not have a lot of friends on here, which is totally okay. So I think that is just something over time where God really highlights those few people that you get to encounter in church and wherever. And for me, we maybe should do another episode on this is, you know, finding friends in the midst of a relationship. Like if you move or something happens, it really takes a ton of time, um, intentionality and like effort to, for me to go out and find guy friends to pursue, to be a good friend. Yeah. And, um, and I had never experienced that challenge before with being in a relationship because, you know, you are booked up a little bit more than you were when you were single. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, but that was super important. The next one we did was finances. Yeah. So your financial skills, yeah. your attitude, your history, your relationship with money. Yeah. This is a huge, important context in the marriage that is the number one cause of divorce. Yeah. Finances. So this is something that is not um, an option. It's not a choice. It's imperative that you guys have a really good grip on your attitude and expectations with money. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be completely debt-free. You don't have to be balling out. You just have to have a really, really healthy money talk to curtail the financial conflicts ahead of you. Mm -hmm. And within that, we also talked about financial fears, like fears of my partner with my, my financial status or how I function with finances and vice versa. And that was really interesting. Um, and cause finances, we, JJ and I are very, we're, we're similar, but different when it comes to finances. Yeah, I, would we're, say. It, I would actually say finances is probably one of the areas that we're most similar because yeah. we're very different people. Yeah. But funny enough, when it comes to finances, we're like, we're kind of pretty in the same ballpark. I would say JJ is more conservative than I am, but we are <laughs> we are both similar minded for sure when it comes to yeah. that. It, yeah. It's just funny because of all the areas in our life, finances is one that we're like in the same ballpark. The other ones were like in different universes. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's, speaking of well, not the, the ex okay, nice. yeah. The next one is expectations, which we kind of to, told you guys about earlier, but this is probably our favorite part of it because you wrote, they're all different roles that they listed, like taking out the trash, making plans with people, doing the dishes, the laundry, the finances, blah, 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 blah. You had all of these different things and you had to put for yourself growing up who did that, whether it was your mom, dad, or both. And then your partner does the same thing. And then you separately also fill in in my current relationship, in my future marriage, who do I think will do these tasks? And then you get to see the other person's responses from all of that. And looking at the list, 
was really eye-opening because for me, basically my mom did everything. Um, my dad did things, but my mom did the majority of all these things on this list. And JJ was similar kind of, right? Yeah. There was about 20 tasks total. I think there was more. Okay. 25? Maybe. Okay. Taking out the trash, scheduling family events, having spiritual conversations. You yeah. guys get the gist. Like really everything from day-to-day -day life. So good to see this. And when I saw Kate's, it, first of all, it's really, really eye-opening for their childhood and what it looked like for them. So you really get to learn a lot about their background. It's like, because you're never going to do that on a date and you're really not going to do this like in your, you know time together. You're not going to mm -hmm. go through like this formal of exercise. So it was really cool to see, wow, that makes a lot of sense over why the way you, you know, act the way you do. And then two, I did my side, which is somewhat similar. It was a very uh, female driven household tasks, finances. And so the best part about this exercise is then you get your own two check boxes for Kate and JJ and you go through all same 25 tasks <laughs> and you just check the box over who would do this. And it's not either or, it can be both, it can be one person. And so we did it and you go ahead and tell them the results. You take this by the way, like separately, like yeah, you did not you get do, to see yeah, each other. Of course. You basically ours overlapped. I chose both except for like three or four and you chose both for almost all of them. Yeah, so for like two. <laughs> yeah. Like one of mine was like um fixing the car. I was like, this is not a thing. Yeah, for I'll me. do that one. But <laughs> like, another one I'm just was not uh, good with cars. Another one that you said was mine and I said both was yard work. <laughs> and I was like, I'll do all the heavy stuff, obviously. But like you wanna weed the beds? I also I, said taking know. out the trash was your thing. <laughs> I know. I said both. I'm super impressed. You take out the trash really, really well. <laughs> Me? Uh, yeah. It's like, you don't oh. even think about it. Oh yeah. I always, you're but when you're a single taker. person for a long time, you have to take out the trash. I mean, like that's it doesn't true. matter what your gender is. Like you do these things naturally. I know. I'm just impressed. I just would rather not do it. So that's why I signed it to you. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. So expectations is great dynamics. It also helped us look through our two personalities. Um, and it let us know like there's no perfect combination. The key is understanding and appreciating your differences. And so I am the energizing spouse and JJ is the unwavering spouse. Um, and this makes sense if you take the test, but there's all, and honestly, we are pretty opposite and that makes sense on, on the scale and the diagram they show you, it's like, you're pretty opposite, but that's okay. It's all about understanding understanding the other person's differences and not seeing them as weakness instead of being able to learn how to appreciate those differences. Okay. Because that is something that actually two weeks before we got engaged, we had to have a major conversation about those things. Yeah. It was really, really, and it was like a fork in the road for Kate. Yeah. Um, and that was a big breakthrough for us because we did a date night where we brought our journals mm. and like we were like, it was like a trial, you know, it was like a court trial. <laughs> we were like, okay, so what is your stance on this? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And like we got really down and dirty and it was very serious. Yeah. But go ahead. Oh, go ahead, babe. I was just going to say, you know, we had a, you want to tell them what the breakthrough was uh, per your note right there? Like seeing strengths. Oh yeah, which I already said that. 
Okay. Well, I mean, we literally listed out like each other's number one. Oh, yeah. And my opinion, my top five strengths are this. And Kate did the same. Well, and the test shows you it as well. Yeah. And so basically what frequently happens, especially in conflict, is you start to see these strengths as weaknesses and things you really don't like about the other person instead of God-given strengths that really equip them in a unique fashion for the kingdom. And so, for example, Kate is very type A, extremely organized, extremely detail-oriented, and a couple more things. When I'm really annoyed with her, those things really annoy me. They really, really annoy me. I really do not like them. Nothing gets by me. Because nothing gets by. It's just like the smallest things. I can do nine out of 10 things right. But if I don't get that last one, it's like the job was not well done. And I'm like, dude, that's 90%. That's a, that's an A minus in some places. And I'm like, A plus. So, but that's why I'm annoyed. I see it as weakness. I'm like, this is just, I wish this would change about you. I wish I could change this. Versus, hey, these are really, really amazing strengths and they have served you so well in life and they will continue to do so. I would love to be your partner and watch you steward these gifts effectively for the kingdom and your purpose. Yeah. And then I see them as strengths Mm -hmm. and vice versa. So we did that exercise because there were certain strengths on both sides that were really starting to annoy and agitate us. And it's good because you can see the things that you do need to work on. For me, it's control. Like I definitely, with being a type A, control is something I need to work on. And JJ, it's more like forgetfulness, aloofness, you know, and you hate that word. You hate when I say aloofness, <laughs> but it, that, we, that's, those aren't necessarily our strengths. Control, aloofness, not exactly a strength, but his ability to be flexible, his ability to be present for people, my ability to plan super well, those things are really great. But then you can also recognize, oh, okay, you know, this isn't serving me that well. And this is the first time a mirror is really showing me how much my control impacts my life and impacts the other person. And so I need to work on it. Yeah, and it's kind of like a you. strength and a gift, just like getting too much control and root in your life and dominating in your life. Like yeah. your strengths need to be held within check. Yeah. We need to get into what our engagement season has looked like. So just to tell you guys, the test is so good. It also goes through conflict, spirituality, sex, all of those stuff. Okay. It's great. Sex, expectations, <laughs> all of that stuff. And it's really, really, really helpful. Um, so it's called the Symbis S Y M B I S. And I highly recommend to go through it with like trained people who know how to go through the Symbis test with you. Don't just ask your random friends, Hey, will you help us walk through this? No, they have to be like trained on what the Symbis is and actually help you walk through it. Mm -hmm. Um, so now let's get into what our engagement season has actually looked like. To be honest, it's kind of sucked a little. It's also good, but it's kind of also sucked a little. And you may, do you hate hearing that, honey? Because I see your face. I mean, there's really high highs and really low lows. I think for you, you've taken on like 98% of the wedding planning. Yeah. (laughs) So like my job for the wedding, I've been offloaded some tasks, which I've tried to do really well. But the rest of my job is, yep, sounds good, honey. 
Yep. Looks good to me. So I can't attest to that as much. I would ask you if you had an engagement where you didn't have to touch a single thing about the wedding and it was perfectly planned to all your expectations, what would your answer then be? I would still say it's it's exciting but difficult because outside of wedding planning, which we can talk through um, and how we've worked to get that even better, um, you know, it's still, there's a lot of different things going on. One of, one of the things that's going on is you're combining lives with someone who's very different from you. No matter who you're going to end up with, they're going to be different from you. The way they live, the way their lifestyle is like, I've never lived with JJ, but I can sense and we start picking up on and paying attention to each other's lifestyle when we see each other's places and just like the way we function. And we're like, oh, like you don't look at those things maybe as much in dating, but engagement, you're like, wow, wait, he literally never puts a toilet seat down. How is that going to be for me in marriage? Like, oh my gosh, am I going to wake up in the middle of the night and fall into the toilet? Like you seriously start thinking about these things and like- the, just, yeah, I can't even speak to all the little things that you start noticing, but you're like, oh, what is this going to look like? And, you know, how we deal with things like we have two dogs. So parenting our two dogs. I mean, we're not parents yet, but then you start thinking like, what is this going to look like when, if we become parents, like, and with the parenting is going to be like together and how we're different. And you're really starting to like the reality of all of those things is sinking in. And the reality of how much you're going to have to die to self every single day is starting to sink in. And it's like this big, like, Oh my gosh, I can't do everything my way for the rest of my life anymore. Like, which is a gift, but it is refining. It is sanctifying it's difficult to, to like imagine. <laughs> like it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a thing. I think there's a lot of people listening right now who can really attest to what you say, honey. It's tough. And, and, and there's a lot of surrendering expectations, both in what kind of house you pictured or the kind of lifestyle you pictured mixed with what kind of wedding you pictured. I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to weddings is surrendering expectations and managing them along the way. Like I almost want to cry when I think about it. Like it is, it's such a big deal and it's really hard. You know, it's really hard. I, yeah. Let me, I'll just step in here. Cause I think that is a common theme in this conversation about engagement in marriage is this word expectations. And I will say, for me at least, and maybe there's guys and girls listening, um, the higher your expectations of these things, it's the more you're probably are going to get let down and just surprised. Maybe that's the best word. The more you're just going to get surprised at how off your expectations were. And so for Kate, one big thing I would just say is she wanted to get married in the South of France. And for 33 years, she's been watching Disney and beautiful rom-coms. We watched, what was it? The Wedding Planner the other day. Which, or last, yeah, months Yeah. And um, that wedding that they were referencing in downtown San Francisco in the park and all these things. Also, terrible movie. Um, <laughs> ethically, just terrible. But secondly, that wedding, for example, 
middle of downtown San Francisco, massive 500 people. This is just all being shot in the background of the movie. That wedding probably costs $500,000 easily. And that is just a very normal expectation in these rom-coms that have these just crazy, crazy weddings. And so that's think about that for your 20, 30 years of life. You just have been downloading and watching, downloading and watching. It's just all you've seen is just hundreds of thousand dollar weddings just passing through nonchalantly. And so when it comes time to you getting married, I, I had to say, I learned this from a friend. I'm so sorry that this is not meeting your expectations. I'm so sorry that we can't deliver on your expectations here. And I will say though, can I jump in on one thing? Sure. Because my dream of the South of France, this actually wasn't a financial thing that we couldn't, for why we couldn't do it, because it was actually affordable. (laughs) Um, It's actually almost more affordable than a lot of places in America. It's not that expensive, side note, for all those who want to do this, to actually rent a chateau in the South of France for like lots of people for like five days to a week. It's cheaper than renting a lot of venues in America, and you actually all also get to stay there. Anyway, um, the reason why we chose not to do that wasn't because of finances. It was because of COVID. It was because of older people in our family and just the logistics to get to France. And so that was like really tough because JJ didn't really want to get married there. Um, and I really did. (laughs) Yeah, it was hard. And I was like, but we can afford it. We can, it's better. It's more affordable than America. Why can't we do it? You know, and it was really tough. I really struggled with that one. Well, and what did we do that really helped here is we both wrote down our top three non-negotiables for the wedding. Yeah. What are the top three things? Ignore everything else of the thousands of things. What are those top three things And then you can move on from there. For me personally, after we aligned on the top three and had that working idea, I was totally okay surrendering executive authority for all the rest of the decisions so that Kate could have the wedding that she really, really desired. But for us, the top three negotiables was, you know, size of the wedding, location, and um, like a community experience. Uh, My, no, not location. Honey. Okay. That's that. Well, for you, mm-hmm. it was aesthetic. Location yeah. was for me. Yeah. So it was super important. <laughs> aesthetic. <laughs> he always forgets aesthetic because he thinks it's ridiculous. But I'm like, if we're not going to be in France, we're going to make it feel like we are in France. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So <laughs> I said, this is my compromise. <laughs> yeah. we Maybe we'll do a whole separate one on just wedding, like a mini bonus episode of wedding. Because by yeah. far and away, though, that... That advice of just the top three things and then moving on from there, and then I enthusiastically support the rest, really changed the dynamic because that was a massive hurdle for like a month or two yeah. for us. It was like, especially in the beginning, the biggest things, the venue, the guest list, the size, like the budget, those are the first conversations you have with the wedding. Those, And then from there, it's all these little decisions. It's all these little things. And you probably hear, have heard people say this before, but yeah, the venue and the location and the size, the number of people you're going to invite, invite, and then the actual guest list itself. It's a big, that's another thing that... <laughs> 
the guest list was a huge fight or disagreement for a long time because since September, I was like, I want a small wedding of less than 60 people. And I've been just putting the bug in his ear. Just, you know, I know he has a big family and he kept being like, yeah, sounds good. Which when JJ says, yeah, sounds good. It means in one ear and out the other. And so he kept saying, yeah, sounds good. I'm like, no, do you really get it? Like Kate thought by bringing <laughs> keep in mind, we're not even engaged. I hated this. We're not even engaged. It's September. We got engaged in February and she's like, I want 60 people at our wedding. I'm like, oh my God, Lord help me. <laughs> so I'm just like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> like, and I made a, a commitment, a light commitment to something I really didn't mean. And I really wish I probably could have been like, well, let's just, well, I think I did say this like every week for weeks. Let's just cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah, okay? <laughs> I know. And I was like, but I want you to start thinking about it I because like, I don't want to get my expectations disappointed if you want a bigger wedding. So if you could let me know earlier than later so I can start processing that, that would be helpful. Yeah. And and to be honest, we didn't make a decision then. We just did put it off until we were actually engaged. And then it was really tough. Yeah. But, so yeah. I don't know if I would change it differently. I would maybe say like, I don't want 60 people. And just leave it at that. Yeah, that's what, that's what, yeah. The, I think setting some expectations pre-engagement is super helpful in my opinion. For sure. But I think um, all in all though, what you guys probably hear is this. There's, um, we're going to be living together in what, 44 days? <laughs> and we're going to be doing life together daily. Kate is very different than JJ. If you guys have not already <laughs> been <Really>? made aware, <laughs> we are really? we are like very, very different. So I love that Kate speaks to a part of the audience that's like, I totally get it, girl. I don't want to surrender my singleness, my freedom, my place, my happy place, my home to another person and have to deal with that. I will say I'm excited for it. Like I really can't wait. And for me, it's not like a sacrifice at all. Like I can't wait. I'm going to be the one who's probably going to have to be tailoring and adjusting my behavior just as a guy with a lower level of cleanliness and different habits. But I can't wait to wake up in the same bed and say good morning to you. I can't wait that at 10 o'clock at night, I don't have to go get in my car and sleepily drive home every single day. Like I can't wait to just have that bond together, that experience of life together. Like I'm super, super excited for it. And I don't feel like I have much expectations or super high standards. So there's really not a lot for me to adjust except for, you know, being more clean, you know, folding my clothes, putting in the, in the laundry, putting the toilet seat down. Like there's a lot of little things that I'm going to improve on. But for me, I'm not like discouraged and encouraged. I'm like very, very excited. Yeah. I'm excited too. Yeah. But I hope that speaks to two different, I mean, there's two different people hearing this that like, Kate, you're not excited. And you're like, well, I'm about to lose all this stuff. I am know? excited yeah. and I'm properly, I think I'm 
properly grieving. I've had friends who don't even think about those things Mm -hmm. and they shove it all down and it comes up later. I'd rather process it now and be, I'm just that kind of person. I'm like, let me just process the reality. Just like two weeks before we got engaged, I had to process the reality of getting engaged and saying yes. And now I'm doing more of that. It's great. It's really, really great that you're in tune and aware of that and not because buried feelings are always alive. But there is another personality style who doesn't have those feelings, which is great too. So I just want to make sure that it's very clear for you guys that it's really, really wonderful that she has her feelings and expectations and is addressing it. And then it's totally okay to be in my boat. Like you're not wrong for being in either. And I love that, you know, we both tackle this issue differently. And I will say, I think the one thing that is similar for both of us is just kind of grieving and adjusting to no more singleness. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Because <laughs> you've said that many times. Honey. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that engagement sucks and blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm very, very excited. But I'm like, I look back, I'm like, I am going to miss my single life for sure. <laughs> like, I, I loved being single. Like it was the most fun years of my life, but I'll check in with you guys to let you know in a year from now, if I can say the same about marriage, I hope so. I think so. But the point is, is we both loved our single life. Like we both like closed that chapter of our life with like a tear. And we're like, that was a really, really amazing time of our life. Yes. Yeah. And we lived it to the fullest. Where you can just play caught at any moment in time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can still do that, though, when we're married. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) See, this is what I'm talking about, y'all. So here, I just want to end today with just some of the top things we learned that has helped us. The first is figuring out ways in engagement to prioritize connection and fun. Because at first it became all the time we're talking about wedding planning, all the time, these hard conversations all the time. And it's like, all of a sudden, nothing becomes relaxing. Nothing becomes fun. Your hangouts turn into, or like your dinners turn into suddenly planning sessions, or you just want to tune out from everything because you're so exhausted and you binge watch a TV show. And so this is just real. Like we are we're combining a lot right now, right? JJ is coming more full-time into Heart of Dating. We launched School of Dating a few months ago. We've been, and it's it's just been wild on top of that wedding planning, on top of that planning to eventually after the wedding move in together. And there's just a lot of things to plan <laughs> and a lot of things to talk about. And a lot of things are changing in our lives. And so we really had to be intentional to start carving out one night a week for wedding planning intentional wedding planning. Like I, let's be real. I'm doing wedding planning every day, basically with the wedding planner, but like where we, there was stuff I needed to delegate to JJ and go and run through JJ with. And so we decided on one night a week where we would sit down and hash it out for a few hours every Mm -hmm. week. Um, that's Tuesday nights, every Tuesday night, baby, 7 PM. Let's go. (laughs) I know some couples who have knocked out their majority of their weddings and like a couple weekends. Mm-hmm. So just decide on the style that really works for you guys. We got a lot of work done early and then we have one night a week where we just like, we go above and beyond to do some little things for the wedding. 
and we just knock it out week by week. Ours is like a little more work because we're doing a wedding retreat with our closest friends and family. So we're yeah. planning like a four day stay for everybody, mm-hmm. which definitely adds way more than just the wedding day. For sure. For <laughs> absolutely. So, uh, but whatever it is for you guys, just decide on that routine or knock it out whenever you want. The point here is when you get into the busyness of planning the wedding and your engagement season, it's really, really easy to just hang out in your free time and just hang out. So I would say for the guys here, listen, in the middle of this, I wanted to just hang out. I'm like, dude, I am fried. I don't want to plan a date. I don't want to do these things, but it was about me, not about her. And we really got into routine in the past, I'd say four weeks, six weeks, where it's not a question of whether or not we're going to have date night this week. It's like, hey, we're going to have a date night this week. Like, I'm going to do something really nice and intentional. And I'm going to keep pursuing you even though we're engaged because yeah. that's a habit, right? A habit of dating and pursuing them that doesn't like for me, I definitely felt that. And maybe we can talk about this later after I put the ring on her finger that desire to keep dating her or the expectation of myself to keep dating her definitely like disappeared and kind of waned. And we had to really, really get serious and intentional about picking that back up that the pursuit and the dating does not stop. And so that's, I hope very encouraging and enlightening for you guys, especially if you're single, listening to this, just bookmark that in your mind, like putting the ring on, and in getting engaged is not an excuse to not date them. Yeah, It's not an excuse to not pursue them. Yeah. And I will tell you this, yes, it is more work. Yes, it is more money and time, but I'm telling you it is so worth it. Yes. The rewards that you reap from this in your relationship of unity and connection are so worth it. Like I would go back in time and do it a thousand times over and just keep that habit of dating her. Speaking of which, guarding unity. So that's a really, really great thing that you can do upstream as an input to contribute to building unity. Because in this season, you're going to have a lot of different opinions, a lot of different ways of doing things. You will have to sacrifice. You will have to pause and listen and seek to understand. And you need to remember that the ultimate goal here is that you are trying to serve God through your united marriage, not to get every single little thing that you ever wanted exactly as you want it. I'm preaching to Kay right now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but this no this way. idea of unity is super, super important because it is something you have to work for. You have to guard it and you have to really maintain it. It does not just come. It does not just appear. It's so true. Another thing just related is really making sure you protect those boundaries. Like I'm not in a place to talk about a wedding talk right now or like Cause for me, it really gets there. Like I have to really be conscious that like some nights I can't ask JJ about wedding stuff. Like we really have to guard just not like everything that not everything is a wedding conversation. Um, and 
we need to just have fun and talk about life and talk about other things and not just like make it about those subjects because it can get overwhelming. So you really do have to have emotional boundaries. And in the beginning, we had some major issues with just those wedding conversations. Like it was just like they got heated because again, expectations, communication about it and like, you know, grieving the Mm -hmm. loss of what you wanted that you're not getting and the disappointment. That's a big thing is that just the disappointment of it can cause you to feel a certain way. And it can, and so you really need to protect your emotional boundaries. Yeah. Let me just help you guys out after nine o'clock. Like if it's not an easy conversation or fun, just don't do it. Like if you guys are tired, you're burnt out, you are disagreeing and it's leading into an argument that's getting heated, just retire it. Okay. Pick it up tomorrow, the next day when you're more energized, when you come back, when you've had some time to think about it and pray about it, but just don't push, don't push the envelope. If you're hitting a lot of conflict, it's just not worth, it's just not worth it because you lose sight of what's important, which is serving God through your united marriage, which is going to be amazing. And you completely focus on these little issues that are just not worth fighting over. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you, I've started saying this lately about smaller things, and I think it's really helped. Hey, this is not worth fighting over. Yeah, This is not worth the conflict. There are big things in life where it's worth, you know, being very honest and really, really figuring out. And there's just a lot of things in life that are just not worth the conflict. Yeah. So boundaries is a super important thing. And then the last one is finding rest. You both need to have time off from seeing one another and talking about all these things. You need your own time because you need to take care of you. You need to still have your own interests, your own passions. You can still have your own friendships with your girlfriends and your guy friends. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's important to not lose that. A lot of times people get into relationships and then they get engaged and they lose all that. And there is at least a level for JJ and I, where like, we are more busy than like, in a, like ever right now. And so we don't have as much time to do all the social fun things that we'd want to do. And when we get married, we'll hopefully have a little more time for some of those things, but we still are carving out like, okay, I really need a girl's night this week, or you really need to like, just go play golf or, you know, and whatever it is we individually need. Like I go to Disney by myself. Okay. And like, I need that sometimes. I mean, yeah, I'd say at least one night a week, we built into our schedule if possible. Hey, we're not, we're not hanging out tonight. I love you, babe. You love me, but go do your own thing. Go do what makes you happy because guess what? You're going to be living together. (laughs) You're going to have plenty of time together moving forward as a married couple. Like go ahead and take some time by yourself to enjoy the things that you, you know, really rejuvenate you. Mm-hmm. Those those activities really, really bring re- rest and energy and peace of mind. So whatever those activities are, go ahead and do those. Because this season is not, as you guys can tell, it's not sunshine and rainbows. It's not. It's really not. And anybody not. who says it is, I'm like, there's some things behind the curtain. But most, unless you're perfectly aligned in everything, yeah. which is just unrealistic, you guys. It's very, very, very for rare. For most people. For yeah. most people. It's very rare. But this season, even though it's hard, it will teach you so much. And it can be super, 
super rewarding if you approach it with humility, surrender, boundaries, and guarding unity, guarding connection. I would say there's really, really high highs, really amazing, like gold nuggets of learning, like gold nuggets of learning that you can apply to build a wonderful foundation. And there's a lot of conflict, hard conversations and challenges to get there, Mm -hmm. but they are immensely worth it. It sucks at times, but it's so worth it. Yeah. It's hard at times, but it's so worth it. Yeah. I agree. 1000%. So there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of encouragement. We're just here to kind of say from our experience, it's a little bit harder than we expected. Nobody really prepped us for that. And so we just want to share that with you guys and then say at the end of the day, yes, it's still awesome. It's still awesome. So, so there's the truth about engagement. Okay. We love you guys. We are actually going to do a bonus episode as well to tell you our engagement story. How did JJ propose? We've actually never shared about this and it's pretty amazing. It's It was truly the best day ever. And oh my gosh, I'm so excited to tell the story. Yeah, just a fun fact. <laughs> if you think about it, this is what Kate said about the engagement day. It really is maybe the best day of their life. Because it requires no planning for them. Yes. They just get to be completely surprised by the person that they love. Yeah, that's Offering them something that they've desired for forever. That's The guy owns the planning for that and a lot, not always, but the girl is really involved with the wedding planning typically. I mean, if you're not as a woman, that's fine. But a lot of times that's the way it is. And I loved just not having anything to do with the engagement and just showing up. And it was the best ever. Mm -hmm. That's like going to be me for the wedding. I just show up. I'm like, wow, these details are really amazing, honey. I'll be like, yeah, thank you. I'm like, wow, these even these napkins are so cute. I love the candlestick holders. Did you do this? And you're going to be like, really? I took him to Hobby Lobby the other week. Oh, Oh, if you guys are still listening. Yeah. We went to Hobby Lobby and it's the first of many times, dude, it was the worst experience of my life. The target, I would do target 10 times, a million times over than Hobby you Lobby. Liked it. Hobby Lobby, <laughs> dude, it was so bad. It was a million different variations of one clock of one cutting board of 10,000 different candlestick holders and bags. And I was like, how, who I was just impressed at like <laughs> how many different variations of the same everyday household item that you can create. I was like, this is amazing that you can come up with this many different photo frames. Paradox of choice, baby. I'm like, I've never seen so many variations of photo frames. They're like, this one has rounded edges. This one is a uh, wood. This one's faux wood. This one's cedar wood. Can't you see the difference? And JJ's I'm like, like, oh my gosh. No, I have no idea. It was bad. Okay, guys, that's it for the truth about engagement. And shout out, I love Hobby Lobby. Okay, and we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. We love you. <laughs> the Heart of Dating podcast is created by Kate Warman. It is a part of the Converge Podcast Network. Our incredible editor is the one and only Scott Caro. Our theme music was developed by the amazing Christian Ledoux. Special shout out to Anjali Maga and Gabriella Asperu who make this show possible each week and help to keep me sane. 
If this is your first time listening to the podcast, or if you've never written us a review or ranked us on iTunes, we'd encourage you to do so because it helps us so much to get this podcast into more people's ears. We launch our podcast each and every week on Wednesday. So we'll see you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. 